when you are fatigued and you're hungry, that is a high risk place to be for sticking to your plan. Nobody wants the long-term solution, whether it's like training or diet. You know, we're like, I want it perfect, easy now. If you're in a calorie deficit every day, you are impairing what you can do. Welcome to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'm your host, Dirk Friel. In each episode, we'll sit down with industry experts to discuss coaching methodologies, the latest research, and leading tools for endurance training. Visit trainingpeaks.com for more training and coaching resources. My guest today is Renee Eastman, who's a premier coach for CTS with over 20 years of experience coaching endurance sports. She has a master's degree in exercise science and is a NASM certified nutrition coach. She got her start in coaching by working for USA Cycling as a sports science consultant in the lead up to the 1996 Olympics. After that, she became one of the first few coaches at Carmichael Training Systems, where she has been a full-time coach ever since. I can proudly say Renee is also a past teammate of mine on the road, where she is a six-time Masters National Champion, both on the road and track. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Renee, Renee Eastman, thank you so much. Uh, proud to say uh, we were a teammate for a few years on that Natural Grocers Vitamin Cottage team. That jersey I can see in the background there behind you. So uh, yeah, it's great to see you. And uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Looking you know, I, conversation. Yeah, I was, I was checking out the CTS blog a month or so ago and saw an awesome article that you had written and it spoke right to me <laughs> for <laughs> <Yeah>. good or bad. <laughs> um, I think it'll definitely capture the attention of a lot of listeners because it's definitely, I don't know, a big topic for a lot of athletes. And that is really, you know, mistakes we make as we try to lose weight as athletes. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, obviously, as we know, bad advice out there. And we'll kind of get into some of that maybe. Um, but what you wrote was just spot on. It was, it was kind of fresh <laughs> yeah. and it was, it just hit the mark and it was just the basic kind of mistakes that you've seen over your career. You've helped hundreds, if not thousands of athletes <laughs> trying to lose weight, yeah. uh, many, many more than I ever have. So, um, I also think it's a lot of athletes, it's almost their first goal. Like, they may not tell their coach, but you know, inside they see themselves as like being this thinner, trimmer athlete. And that's, that is kind of their first goal is to lose weight. Well, it's like 97% of the population, right. you know, that, you know, the diet industry is big business, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, probably exaggerating a little bit, but that is, well, I think it's motivation for a lot of my clients to ride period that it's you know around fitness and weight management in in maybe their their aspirations as an athlete kind of stem from that but you know in and you know as well as i do this is a weight dependent sport you yeah. know you, yeah. you 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 lose a kilo or two and your watts per kilo go up and you're up the hill a little faster yeah and you know not just cycling you know triathlon and running um of course. equally so now, give us a little more background in terms of your day-to-day -day work and experience. You know, you're kind of diverse. You don't just coach. You work in the lab as well, correct? Yeah, I do. So I'm a, my primary role is a Carmichael Training Systems coach. And I've been in almost since the beginning. This is my 21st year as a wow, nice. full-time coach with Carmichael Training Systems, um, USA Cycling Level 1. Uh, been doing this, obviously, forever. I was a athlete for a little while um and go in and out of of athletics uh myself but you know as they say those who can't do teach yeah you know <laughs> um or you love but, it and you stick with it yeah um but the other thing the other roles that i do um i'm a retool bike fitter mm. i do that at criterion bikes out here and i also run our physiology lab which um for the last three or four years was like maybe a test a month, wow. but now we're like two or three tests a week. Nice. Um, you know, I've listened to, I listened to your recent podcast, the zone two podcast. With, uh, uh, with, uh, with Inigo? Inigo. Yeah. 
and he's talking about how like everybody's you know jumping on the zone two bandwagon that's what my observation is too yeah you know, whether they're recreational athletes or um more serious maybe runners cyclists and the like yeah so, well you know i know decades ago it was all about your vo2 max and now it's like how fast can i go when i'm slow <laughs> right um, and in addition to like, I guess the coaching things, I'm, uh, an SCA strength and conditioning specialist and, uh, an SAM, uh, nutrition coach. So, you know, I, I as a coach, you wear lots of hats anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, just over the years, I've been able to do a lot of, a lot of different things within the coaching realm. Yeah. Well, speaking of today's topic, you know, and helping athletes lose, maintain weight, um, this is obviously a big topic. Um, what kind of spurred you to write that article? Was it anything, one thing or any one of the, tell us the, the title of the, of the, of the article and, uh, what got you to write it? Yeah. The, um, top five mistakes, uh, that I see cyclists make, and we could, you know, lump this to runners or triathletes or any endurance uh, athlete. And, you know, I think it came out, I don't know, January 5th or something, right. you know, the, the first of the year. Right. Um, I, I wanted to write an article um, in part so that I could send it to my athletes because <laughs> you get you get those questions yeah. all the time, but you get them in particular, uh, get a lot of new athletes in January or uh, my athletes I've continued to coach you know, first of the year, they're like, got to get ready for, you know, Leadville or yeah, Steamboat or whatever they're getting ready for. So it's just very timely uh, to do that. And, you know, the mistakes that I flushed out are the, the common trip ups I see because, you know, it's, it's taking a little bit of science that they hear and maybe popular literature or get you know, a certain idea in their head versus like practical application of like what actually works. Yeah. Um, that yeah. bridging that gap. Well, I think some of these definitely people in, it's intuitive. They, they see it once they're told, but it's like, they need to be told, like you realize you're doing this mistake. Right. And so yeah. once they realize it, they can try and break that habit. So yeah. let's, let's dig in. What's the very yeah. first mistake that you, that, that you got there? Uh, the first mistake is probably one of the most common mistakes. Uh, Underfueled training and subsequent overcompensation with calories after training. Right. Um, Overconsumption. Right. Um, in it, it now it it could be overconsumption that like you're not getting to that calorie deficit if you're trying to lose weight. Or, you know, it's not often that over consuming, like putting on weight, but, you know, this is that applicable to those people who are trying to lose weight. They work so hard to create a calorie deficit, um, torture themselves in, in training by going into it under fueled, you know, uh, diet all week long or, or restrict calories all week long, um, you know, light dinner on Friday night. And, and they might even, you know, go into the, the, the Saturday ride with a light breakfast, sometimes no breakfast because they want right. to be fasted. Right. And then, um, you know, go out and ha hammer it as best they can for three or four hours on Saturday. And then um, once they get home, just head to the fridge. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of that bottomless pit where you just feel like you can't get full, you can't get satisfied because you created such a big deficit during the ride. Yeah. And that intense hunger just simply overrides willpower. You still have this underlying willpower, but yet the massive hunger is there. And so you can't, you can't hold out. And, and so, it, it, I mean, it just is creating that cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen like within a day too, you know, whether it's like, um, well, just the, Take, just take average uh, average uh, person on the street doing a diet and a calorie restriction. Most everybody is real good at breakfast. Right. No, nobody's like going going to the 
freezer and getting the Ben and Jerry's out at breakfast. Yep. But you go through the whole day really restricted and then get to the evening and you've created such a big hole that a lot of times people go off the edge, whether it's within the day or within the week or within the three weeks. And those, you know, binges, if you will, you know, they really undo the progress. Right. You know, right. The, the, the biggest predictor of, of, of uh, overconsumption, binging, if you will, is dieting. Right. Because, because uh, there, there's a, a concept, I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, uh, fatigue decision. Uh, uh, decision fatigue, sorry, I got that backwards. Where we have willpower in the morning. We've, you know, we're rested. Yeah. We're ready to tackle our day. And then all day long, we're making decisions, whether it's like what to eat or decisions at work or decisions for our kids. And then by the end of the day, we're tired. Yeah. We're physically tired. And whether that physical tired came from you trained hard, you know, that big Saturday ride that we were talking about, or the physical tiredness comes from just your day at work and, you know, life. Right. And then... When you are fatigued and you're hungry, that is a high risk place to be for sticking to your plan. It's really hard to, to do that. Yeah. And if you constantly see yourself failing like that is maybe be a little less aggressive with your restriction. So it's kind of counterintuitive to say, you know, eliminate hunger in order to lose weight. But that's really the first thing people think about is like, I need to become hungry to lose weight. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it is, uh, yeah, it is against people's, you know, uh, natural instincts. But I would propose there are times of the day you could be hungry uh -huh. and it work for you. Like when you're going to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> You don't need a lot of energy to sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's a great time for your body to tap into stored energy. Losing weight is about giving your body an opportunity to tap into stored energy. Yeah. And so at periods of low activity, you're just sitting there at work, you know, what we're doing here, or, you know, getting ready for bed. That's a great time to tap into stored energy. Yeah. During your ride, when you're trying to get some fitness out of it, that's a bad time to tap into those, you know, uh, deep energy stores. And I don't mean like glycogen. I yeah. mean, you know, the, the, the calorie deficit. You don't want to have the calorie deficit during your highest activity. You want to support your highest activity. Especially, I mean, if you've got a budget of whatever it is, 2,500 calories a day, if you center that around your activity, mm -hmm. your activity gets better you know, whether that's brain power at work and or the quality of your workouts, you know, to fuel, have that good meal before your workout, fuel during your workout so that you get a lot out of your workout. And then, you know, if it's evening, late at night, that's where you can reduce your carbohydrate intake or just reduce your caloric intake. Because if you're getting ready for you know, basically 10 or 12 hours of low activity with, you know, evening Netflix and then going to bed. That's a great, it, now I'm not, you know, I'm being, uh, I want to be cautious about like being hungry, but those are the times when you can be hungry and it's not going to hurt your, it's not going to hurt your day. It's not going to hurt your right. training. Right. And speaking of hurting training, I mean, athletes, if, if their number one goal, they may not tell anybody is to lose weight. But then they will tell people, well, I'm training for, you know, I'm training for Leadville or whatever it may be. Well, then aren't you just undercutting that, that progress by under fueling for the actual day's training? So it's not serving the purpose for either one losing weight, nor are you actually getting fitter. So, and that's such a good point. Like if you take the very same amount of calories and just re reposition them and not do the binge eating at Netflix at 8 PM, you know, but right. even it out, bring it up to breakfast and pre-fueling, you know, going into yep. the workout, making the 
the workout more high quality, therefore achieving both goals, <laughs> getting fitter and losing weight. There's a phrase I uh, got from uh, working with Stacy Sims, mm. and it's focus on preloading right. your workouts instead of reloading your workouts. Got it. I think yep. our industry, you know, especially like early 2000s when all that like uh, uh, glycogen uh, uptake uh, information come out, like the four to one carb to protein ratio right. and recovery drinks started recovery. becoming a thing. We, we as coaches and the whole industry, like just crammed it down people's throats that you've got to get your glycogen window and you got to eat right after your ride. You got to eat every two hours after your ride. Well, for most athletes, you know, the athletes I work with are, you know, working folks and maybe they're training an hour a day yeah. during the week. And it's not completely exhaustive training that, and they're usually not doing back to back, like really exhaustive training or really intensive training right. that if you just eat normally, or even if you didn't eat normally, if you ate a little poorly, if, if you will, you've got at least 24 or 48 hours till your next workout, you're going to replenish the stores by then to, to do the next workout. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a completely different story if we're talking about like a, you know, pro tour guy who's doing, you know, a stage race and, ride five or six hours a day at high intensity. Yeah. That guy needs to, you know, pay attention to his recovery nutrition more. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing an hour, 90 minutes a day, you know, it, the recovery window isn't as crucial because as you say, you have many hours to, to re recompensate what you just burned. But if you pre-fuel, take some fuel in during the workout, there's hardly any need there to really focus on that recovery window, if you will. I see so many athletes or I hear so many athletes like saving their calories till after mm. the ride. Yeah. And it, it doesn't even make sense if you're, especially for that, we're talking about these athletes who have a weight loss goal that you create this big hole and then you just fill it up again. Yeah. And then you're like net. I'm at the same weight I was, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Because you keep on filling it back up after your ride. Yeah. And this kind of leads us into your mistake number two, which is overemphasis, sorry, overemphasis on the role of cardio exercise for weight loss. Yeah. So what do we, you know, what's that mean? <laughs> um, uh, the, 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 you kind of alluded to it with, you know, I'm just going to ride off all this weight yeah. or ride off, you know, all these calories. Um, most of the calories that you burn during exercise are from carbohydrate. Right. Carbohydrate is the fuel of exercise. Um, I, you know, we mentioned that I do a lot of lab testing, yeah. a lot of physiological testing where we're actually, you know, measuring RER, you know, carbohydrate and fat oxidation rates, um, where, uh, you know, I know, uh, you had just had a great podcast on zone two yeah. and a great, you know, uh, uh, that alluded to, you know, being able to oxidize fat for fuel, but where your, uh, fat max, if you will, is, is usually, well, it's going to be at most in zone two. Uh -huh. And for a lot of the athletes that I see, it's just over zone one. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, low, low end. Right. I can see somebody, you know, in, in our protocols, we started them at 75 or a hundred Watts, you know, and, and go mm. up that they're already 50, 50 at best. Mm. Uh, uh, right. You know, the, the few people who are what we call metabolically efficient, they might be 70, 30 split mm -hmm. at the, at the low intensities. But by the time you're getting to about 70%, certainly 75% of, of a uh, threshold, you're seeing majority carbohydrates, you yeah. know, whether it's a 50-50 split or 60-40 or 70-30. By the time you're in zone three, and that's just the typical, you know, six zone where zone three is about 80 to 90% of FTP, mm -hmm. you are burning more carbohydrates than fat. Right. And most of our athletes are not doing those long five, six hour rides 
at that kind of bottom of zone two, zone one, where they're really able to metabolize, you know, more fat. It is a little bit of a pitch for zone two training. Right. Um, but that idea that, um, it, and I think you, it was alluded to in your last podcast that people hear about like fat max or fat oxidation is the highest in zone two. And they just think they're just melting away fat. Right. Uh, while they're riding where, you know, if it's a 50, 50 split, half of those calories are coming from carbohydrate and it's, you know, if you're burning, let's say 500 calories an hour, it's 250, 250, right. you know, but most people are riding high zone two or higher, you know, maybe you're doing intervals where you're burning more carbohydrates, uh, than fat. Yeah. And the reason that's significant is you basically store carbohydrates. I mean, locally, you know, in, in, in the muscles, right. And yep. you, if, if that's your entire workout, let's say you're doing a Zwift hard ride, you're barely tapping into your fat reserves. You're burning the local carbohydrate storage, you know, in your muscles, you might take on a Gatorade during the ride. You take on more Gatorade, whatever it is in your recovery window. And now you've equaled, you know, you've now covered all the carbs you've burned, maybe you've added more carbs and you didn't burn really any fat. Um, and so, you know, you really didn't tap into what you thought you were tapping into. Um, right. Yeah. And you mentioned that you, you burn the most, most athletes are going to burn the most fat outside of the exercise window. Yeah. So the basic principle that probably most people are aware of is as exercise intensity increases, right. so does your reliance on carbohydrates. Basically, at lactate threshold or FTP, use your you know terminology. Above that, you're 100% carbohydrate. Right. And below that, some kind of split. Well, at so you know we're not exercising at all, but we are active now, and but our activity levels pretty low. Our heart rates are pretty low. We don't have a high cardiovascular demand when we're just sitting here, or maybe like walking the dog, you know, like low, low activity, um, non-exercise, uh, uh, activity thermogenesis, if you will, we call it neat that that's when you're, because the intensity is so low, your body can basically be running on fat that whole time. And, you know, if you're, you know, resting metabolic rate is let's say, I don't know, 1700, 2000 calories a day. Um, that's, support that's the you know calories that support your uh life yeah. you know you, uh, and then you add on to it like you know daily activity which might be a factor of 10 or 20 percent in there so we're talking about you know the majority of that you know let's say round it to 2000 calories we are doing at a very low intensity rate and that's you know a thousand, 1500 calories that we can tap into fat. If, if we have a deficit, if we have a deficit, we can tap into our stored fat. Yeah. But you know, like the, during exercise, 500, 700 calories an hour, you know, and, and we just talked about how at least half of them are fat. Yeah. And if you're above zone two, most of them are carbohydrates. So that's why that, that, you know, maybe you've burned two or 300 calories, 400 calories from fat for your hour long workout, but you know, you can burn in hundreds of calories from fat it, through those rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, five, 500 from a workout versus 2000 from what you need to support life. Yeah. And if you're giving yourself an opportunity to tap into stored energy when you're not on the bike, yeah. those, you know, evening sleep, low activity times, that's when your body can run on stored fat. Yeah. It's not at a high rate, but it's a lot of hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and back to what we mentioned earlier, you know, fuel to maximize your performance first. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in the article or not, but you, I think you wrote, you can't outrun a bad diet. <laughs> yeah, I think I did use that. Uh, it's a, it's a, like, even if they're just trying to manage their weight, like, you know, stay, 
they, you know, most everybody, most everybody I coach, they always want to lose a couple of pounds yeah. at least. But, you know, even if you're like holding steady is like the, um, the quality of your calories count and the timing of your calories count when it comes to maximizing the energy you have for your training, the fuel that you have for your training, and then the like nutrient density that you need to sustain life it, or thrive in life. It's never the like eating the bowl, the pint of ice cream or the pizza and beer before the ride. It's after the ride Yeah. where, you know, the, it's, it's not necessarily serving you and it might not be giving you the, you know, maybe the, 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 if, if it's about energy demands, the carbohydrates you need, or if it's about, I need to be able to, to manage my calorie intake that you know eating higher protein uh more nutrient dense carbohydrates yeah not those uh highly processed rocket fuel kind of carbohydrates you know your pastas and rice and breads and things like that it's you know broccoli and kale and you know uh less uh more complex carbohydrates more fiber content yeah you know i had one guy uh, his his big downfall was you know uh, uh, cereal. Yeah. Uh, he'd eat like bowls of cereal at night and and things like that, which are you know. And, and we're not talking like you know um, healthy bran flakes or anything. Uh, you know, sugary you know uh, corn pops or whatever <laughs> um, that are just like straight sugar. Right. It, uh, basically, really simple carbohydrates that don't give you much satiation. Right but are really calorie dense. So you can eat a high volume of calories and not get very full. Yeah. You know, uh, you take a bowl of, of corn pops or whatever, and that's, you know, at least a couple hundred calories, or you take 200 calories of broccoli, which would be like five or six cups of broccoli. And I, I guarantee you're going to stop eating the broccoli before you get to the 200 calories <laughs> of broccoli. Definite, definite. Uh, and okay, moving on to mistake number three, following bad advice. And there's all kinds of bad advice out there. So sometimes it's going to be hard to keep in mind, but what's some, uh, rules of thumb or things to look, look for, um, when determining whether it might be some bad advice. If somebody is trying to sell you something, <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, that's a red flag, <laughs> yeah. whether it's they're selling their diet. Like you got it. I've seen people like you got to do this, uh, you know, my diet plan right. and, you know, sign up with me and I'll give you all the secrets. Yeah. Um, or, uh, if they're trying to sell you supplements, like you've got to take this supplement and that supplement and this drink and, you know, eat these things or, you know, just if, if it sounds too good to be true or it sounds really good, it, probably is a gimmick or a hack. And I think one of the things I mentioned in there is, uh, you know, appropriate diets for the population. You know, a, a, a high fat, really low carbohydrate diet can work for a sedentary person for them to make a calorie deficit and lose weight. And so it works. But for that population who doesn't have high activity, yeah. we're endurance athletes. We just talked about how carbohydrates are the fuel for activity. And um, that low carbohydrate diet just isn't going to lead to long-term success there. So it's the wrong, the wrong type of diet for the population, Yeah, like that low carb uh, diet. Or, you know, the other thing is, uh, it drives me crazy is like, you know, whatever, you know, Team Sky or Team Ineos are doing. Like, I remember a few years ago, Chris Froome is doing, you know, uh, 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 fasted training or low-carbohydrate training. Well, he's at a different place in his journey than you are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when uh, uh, those marginal gains of, like, Oh, I'm shifting my, you know, fat metabolism a little bit by 
doing this uh, low carbohydrate or fasted training, a minimal gain on, on, you know, for them to shift that. And it's just not a, it's not appropriate for the time crunched or the, you know, average Joe cyclist. Um, because for Chris Froome or, you know, Tour de France guy, shifting that a little bit, maybe that means he has that extra half a percent or percent at the end of his, you know, six hour stage. Mm -hmm. But for, you know, average Joe shifting that, you know, fat, you know, shifting the metabolic efficiency, if you will, isn't that significant in terms of performance, not that significant for, for most athletes. Uh, and it's a misconception that um, doing like fasted training or low carbohydrate training is effective for weight loss. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that, that I find that kind of like fasted training or really low, because I, I, I have athletes who've done that or, or want to do that. Um, and it kind of goes back to the underfueled training over compensation later. Those people tend to have more difficulty staying in a calorie deficit the rest of the day right. and their training sucked. Yeah. So um, that's just an example of, you know, taking a, a, a concept of fasted training in a misapplication of thinking that it means I'm going to lose weight. Right. And that's not why the pros are doing that. Right. You know, we, we could have another conversation of is it effective or not, but that, that trying to shift your, you know, metabolic efficiency is, is not about losing weight. Yeah. Well, you also wrote, you know, good sound nutrition, long, I guess, healthy habits are simple and boring. <laughs> and that's not exciting, but that's the truth. Well, it's like training too, yeah. right? What, what works? Oh, long zone two consistent rides consistent. where you're super disciplined and, you know, doing it over and over again. Yeah. Um, super consistency. Um, and nobody wants to hear that. You know, I, I'm working with a gentleman right now who's, you know, trying to lose weight and he's like, oh, it's so slow. And I'm like, well, what, how, how much have you lost? He's like, only six pounds over the last seven weeks. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the faster it comes off, uh, that is, there is a correlation to like the faster it comes off is that, you know, you, you could do something really extreme to, to get that weight dropped, but there's going to be a consequence to that. Mm -hmm. And that could be overtraining or burnout, you know, use your term, but often it means that there will be a overcompensation later and your body compensates by putting the weight back on and uh, maybe even gaining weight. Yeah. Um, in, in, it doesn't sell to, to, to write an article that's like <laughs> eat mostly carbohydrates and, you know, uh, make sure you're getting enough protein and eat your, you know, vegetables and, and, you know, uh, it's, it's not sexy. Yeah. So it doesn't sell. Yeah. But like, this magic pill, you know, or method does sell. Yeah. Well, but well, if you're well fueled entering workouts with the right amount of fuel, pre-fueling all that, having a good breakfast, I feel like I can get a better quality workout, which is what we've mentioned, but that can also build muscle, right? And so the muscle itself can incre can help you lose weight. You know, that's going to increase, um, your burn rate throughout the day as well. Like, in, you know, having more muscle fiber, and so if I'm not well fueled going into the workout, you know, I'm just not going to build as much fuel or, or, or strength, you know, and, and muscle fiber, and that takes protein and that helps me stay satiated. And I'm not going to eat, you know, maybe all three bowls of cereal at night, you know, so it all, it's just kind of a slow, um, progression starts to build on itself and it kind of takes care of itself too. Right. And it's that whole idea of um, whatever you do to affect that weight loss change, you're going to have to keep on doing it if you want to keep that right. weight loss change. Right. You know, um, 
it's, it's, yeah, you're creating a calorie deficit to lose weight, but when you go back, quote, off your diet, it's, oh, I ate another spoonful of rice at dinner, or, you know, another half a, half a sweet potato at, at dinner, or, you know, it's marginal right. about the, yeah. the deficits and the changes that you make. The other thing about the changes that you make, that it should fit within your lifestyle and like what you're used to doing. You know, this so, I mean, we both live in Colorado. We probably have a similar diet. If we lived in Arkansas or Mississippi, we wouldn't maybe have the same kind of diet. Or I've been to the grocery store. Always. Uh, right. Or, yeah, different country, you know, whatnot. Or, um, you know, d just different, different cultural differences or different food preferences, you know, that, that some people like oatmeal and some people don't. So if you're trying to do this forced routine, like I have a lot of people who are like, tell me what to eat. And I'm like, well, I can tell you what I like. I can give you some ideas, but you know, uh, you know, I, I like overnight oats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell my athletes like, oh yeah, here's, here's a recipe. And they're like, I hate that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, find something else. Yeah. But, but the point is that you have to find what's going to work for you so that you can make sustainable changes. Right. And maybe you have to evaluate where you're, where you're willing to go. Um, here, case in point, uh, we all know that alcohol isn't like the best thing for us for a whole lot of reasons. But if you're trying to manage your weight, it's, it's not very good. Mm -hmm. Like it, I would recommend you don't drink at all if you're trying to manage your weight because it's just, empty. it's empty excess, excess calories. It messes with your uh, glycogen uh, storage in, in, in usage. So I have some people who are like, I just don't want to give up that beer at the end of the day. And that's okay. You know, or I want to have that bowl of ice cream at night, or I want to go to my, you know, big family dinners or, you know, whatever the case may be. So maybe you need to adjust your weight loss goals or your ideal weight goal to what's going to fit to what you want to do and, and what you're like willing to do, right. what fits into your like lifestyle. Um, I think a lot, I mean, that's a whole nother topic of like, how did you come up with this weight loss goal? Hmm. You know, I want to lose five pounds, 10 pounds or whatever. And, yeah. you know, uh, I want to get down to, I don't know, 147 pounds, whatever. Right. And I'll ask the people, how'd you come up with that number? And it's like, Oh, it's what I weighed in high school or something <laughs> like, like, well, that's probably not realistic. Um, or just coming up with a goal that's like not necessary. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that, that they'd have to come down to, you know, well below 10% body fat for man uh, to, 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 to achieve that. And that might not be appropriate for a 45 year old, master's level rider with a family and kid and a job. Yep. You know, I mean, I think we all can, can recognize that, or I hope we can recognize that the guys at the Tour de France might not be the epitome of health. Yeah. Not, absolutely. might not be the epitome of wellness to be that lean, uh, you know, ex at training that level. And I think a lot of the clients I work with, I think all the clients I work with, they're coming to the sport because there's a part, it's a part of their wellness. Mm. Sure, they might have athletic goals and I want to win the race and get the championship or whatever, but it's part of a, a overall wellness and yeah. getting down to maybe an extreme low weight or uh, leanness. It, it A, might not be the healthiest thing for them, and it might not improve their performance the way they think yeah. it's going to, Yeah. you know, if you're, if, you know, I would take 10 Watts over two kilos, <laughs> you know, um, in terms of like the, the cost to benefit or, right. you know, what, what's going to be the most effective. Yeah. Or recovery, recovery ability, recoverability yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, great point. Yeah. And your, your fourth mistake is treating diet as a short 
term fix. So, yeah. and, and we've been saying this kind of all along, like building the habits, cause you need to maintain whatever changes you're going to make. Um, it's not just a one and done two week kind of thing, or, you know, that's just not going to be sustainable. Right. I, I mean, you, I think I said this a minute ago, you could do something, you know, I could probably, you know, put you on some kind of like yeah. go under a hundred carbs a day, low, really low carb, high fat diet thing and, and have you lose a couple of pounds this week. But it, as soon as you go off it, it's not gonna, you're not gonna sustain those changes. Um, and it's probably not healthy either. So, you know, nobody wants the long-term solution, whether it's like training or diet, you know, we're like, I want it perfect, easy now. Yeah. Uh, uh, so um, I find the people that have the most success, yeah, they just make those small changes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like to term it like the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Most people know what, where they're, you know, where in their diet, they could cut those excessive calories and, you know, not have to change their whole world upside down. But like, oh, I, you know, eat, uh, cookies every night or I, you know, binge out on beer and pizza after my Saturday ride or, you know, whatever your like low hanging fruit is, or, you know, I have a, you know, Starbucks mocha frappa, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, 400 calorie drink every day. Oh, just take that out. Yeah. And you take that out. That's, you know, take that out, take maybe something else out. And that's three, 400 calories a day that you don't miss. Yeah that it doesn't make you hungry, but if you do it month after month, all of a sudden you're a little leaner. Cause that's how most people have put on the weight. Yeah, It's because they you know, uh, started having those a uh, couple of beers at night or they, you know, started having the, the cookies here and there that, or maybe they reduce their activity level, you know, that, that the weight came on usually pretty, pretty slowly. And those small changes that aren't hard to make so that you don't have to use willpower all the time. Cause willpower, like any kind of, you know, short term extreme thing that takes a ton of willpower right. to do. Yeah. You know, whether it's like, you know, being, hu being hungry is hard. Like I'm sure, you, you know, both of us had tried different things in the past and like been hungry. And that's hard. Yeah. You know, that's suffering Yeah, to be hungry or, or eating the stuff that you don't like, like, oh, uh, kale salad, ah, you know, <laughs> that that's, that's making yourself suffer. Right. So, right. Well, I think of it like compound interest, you know, if, if you have a retirement account or a 401k and you don't miss the, you know, whatever it might be, the 2% or something you're putting away each month, you know, it compounds over time you know, and you get more than 2% back, right? This is giving up that Frappuccino that's 450 calories, you know, every day at 10 AM, you know, that might be compound interest by not actually partaking in that or whatever the, the low hanging fruit is the, is the 2% of your salary that you're putting aside for your retirement. Right. And they, and it compounds over time and you'll see, you'll see the fruits of that, you know, come into play. Um, yeah, and, and it also goes to those extreme measures, willpower, it's it's exhausting, but what the first topic of underfueled training overcompensation later. Yeah. That that kind of extreme, I'm gonna lose five pounds in two weeks or you know, whatever the case may be, that is a predictor for weight gain. Yeah. After 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 you've done that intervention. Yeah. Um because yeah, if you're if you're not going to plan to keep up the intervention, you're unlikely to to keep the, the the weight change. Yeah, so that leads into the the final mistake, which is an, taking an all or nothing approach. You know, meaning like I'm going to train super hard and have a great you know diet or nothing. And if I can't train, then screw the diet. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Um, it, it's often when somebody's starting a training plan, they're like, I want to raise my FTP by 20 watts and I want to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. Well, I have to ask you, which one do, would you like to do? Because we have to pick. <laughs> I mean, if it's the short term, if it's over a six month or over a season, you can yeah. accomplish both. Yeah. But I think it's really challenging to both focus on improved fitness and dropping weight because those are those are opposites you yeah. in order to improve your fitness you need a lot of energy you need to support your training with energy we get energy from food um and maximize your recovery and if you're in a calorie deficit every day you're not maximizing your recovery and it even if we you do all those things that we talked about you know uh, a managing your intake and things like that. If you're in a calorie deficit every day, you are impairing what you can do. And, you know, the, the, you know, backside of that is, I think it's, uh, so it's hard for people. Well, if you're in that calorie deficit and you're maintaining that calorie deficit, you're going to compromise on the, the training side. And then, you know, ultimately have the potential for overcompensation later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I encourage people to kind of focus on one thing at a time mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, whether it's managing weight or improving fitness, especially when we're talking about like peak fitness, you know, yeah. the, the, the base season off season is a great time to focus on weight management because yeah. your training intensity is lower. Um, you're, your performance in your training isn't quite as critical. So you can, you know, carry that calorie deficit. Um, and back to your point about the all or nothing is like people want it all. They want that. I want to lose weight and increase my FTP right now. And either and a lot of people are either on or off their training plan. Yeah. When they're on their training plan, they're like eating their uh, uh, nutrient dense foods. And they're, you know, maybe they're even tracking their calories, but they're real careful about what they eat because they're thinking about, oh, this is a great fuel for the workout I'm going to do, or this is going to be a great food for recovery. And then, like you said, when they're off, then it's, you know, donuts and pizza. And uh, uh, that's when I would say you want to focus on your diet maybe even more. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, going on vacation for a week. That might be at the week to really focus on your diet, hmm. you know, that focus on, pro- I always tell people, you know, if they're going on vacation, especially if they're worried about weight management, focus on your protein intake. Right. You mentioned it already, the satiety, you know, have your carbohydrates from those like vegetables uh, sources, you know, cl- cl- like closer to nature. You don't need the highly calorie dense carbohydrates if you're on vacation and you're, you know, not doing a lot of activity. Yeah. And that's when you want to really focus on your diet and maybe be in a calorie deficit on your yeah, vacation. Definitely. Not very fun, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's much better than getting back from your vacation being, Oh man, I got to double my training volume yeah. and, you know, whack my calories in half. Absolutely. Well, lastly, as being a coach and, uh, you know, registered dietitian there or not dietitian, but, but, you know, having helped a lot of athletes lose weight. What about accountability? You know, um, I, I, that, I mean, I would think that would be one of the big secrets is actually having accountability to someone like a coach to help you stay on track or determine those habits that you need to try and build in or get rid of. And do you have experience having worked with athletes kind of holding them accountable and checking in with them? I think checking in with them and giving them support. I think I would rather use the word of supporting them and having, uh, being empathetic to to their situation rather than saying, holding them accountable. Um, I actually find that like, um, in in particular with weight, because it's, it's such a, it, it's such a personal thing and there's so much, emotion tied in with it for a lot of people um 
that, you know, too, too much checking in on that is actually counterproductive. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, but giving them support of like, oh man, I, you know, I, you know, went off the and, you know, I had a guy, uh, he, you know, had Christmas weekend and he was like, you know, had the big dinner and, you know, had a couple meals that were bigger. And now he's like feeling guilty and, and everything. That's not somebody going to hold accountable. I'm going to be empathetic and be like, oh, you probably ate maybe a thousand extra calories over the last two or three days. No big deal. Yeah. You know, that, that's, you know, that, that, uh, giving somebody understanding of what really is important and what's not important that, right. Oh, that one meal that you had, right. That's not important. The consistency of what you do week after week and month after month is, um, important. And, you know, I think for each individual that I've seen have success, it comes from them and, and they find what works for them. And I can give my athletes a lot of different paths that, you know, oh, try this or, you know, do this one or two things that might help them, you know. Uh, and if those one or two things don't work, giving them new things to try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, the big takeaway for me is the simple and boring. <laughs> is just building the habits and getting, you know, the, the low hanging fruit can go a long ways, getting rid of some of the, the easy stuff and, and making the good habits, simple and boring consistency definitely can reap huge rewards, you know, just like I said, with uh, compounding interests. So any, any yeah. other final thoughts there, Renee on tips for athletes? I think, you know, I, I can write this article cause I've been an athlete. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, it resonated with you. I wrote it because I've made all these mistakes over the years. Not, not, you know, I've seen my athletes do it, but I've also done it as yep. an athlete. And, and, you know, if, we'll go back to point one. If you focus on fueling your training, going into your training topped up, fuel during your training so that you're, you know, keeping your, you know, uh, energy up and the quality of your training up, you're gonna be able to manage your calories better right. after your ride in the off time. So your training's gonna be better supported and then you're not gonna have that big deficit after. And it does take a little bit of trust. I think yeah. you alluded to that, that, oh man, if I'm eating this you know, giant bowl of oatmeal or whatever it is before my ride, so. Yeah, here, here. Uh, definitely agree to that. So, um, good luck to everybody out there. I appreciate all the great uh, thoughts and tips there, Renee. And uh, hopefully, see you on the road. Be a great time. So, yeah, appreciate all the all the great uh, advice, Renee. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Training Peaks Coachcast. Visit trainingpeaks.com for more training and coaching resources.